Hey, Centerpoint Church, thank you for joining us online for our online service experience. And whether you're a regular church attender at Centerpoint at either campus in Wesley Chapel or Valrico, or maybe you're brand new, somebody just shared this online and you're watching it, man, we are so glad you are joining us, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or maybe you're just even investigating faith. And we say this a lot, but in a way, we kind of designed our churches with you in mind. So thank you for being with us. And obviously, we're praying for everybody who's already been affected and will be affected by Hurricane Irma. And so hopefully right now, if you're watching this, you're watching it from the comfort of your home, but we're praying for you. And before we dive into part five of the current series we're on, just a couple things. If you're a part of our gathering, all the announcements in terms of changes and schedule moves, all of that's available on our Facebook. So just check out the announcement video there. But I do want to just give you two things. In two weeks, we're going to have what we call Vision Sunday. And that's a huge Sunday for our gatherings for both campuses as we lay out where God's leading us as a church. And God is and has done so many incredible things. And so this is a huge Sunday to kind of know where we're going. And so we'd love for you to be with us on September 24th. And then last thing, if you're brand new watching us, we say this a lot as well. We want something for you and not from you. And so we're glad you're just joining us, but we want to just thank every CCer for giving financially every week. And so obviously with no services, we appreciate all of you that are continuing to just give financially via online giving. And there's actually a link that's um, underneath this platform where you're watching this, where you can just click on it and give. But thank you so much for what you're doing. We're in a huge season of growth right now numerically. We've grown by about 150 people in the last five weeks in average weekend attendance just in Valrico. And all of that represents a ton of life change. And that seriously would not happen without your financial giving. And so thank you for giving. Thank you for those of you who are beginning to give. For those of you who will in the coming weeks who are part of our CC family at either location. Because we're just trying to keep up with what God's doing. And this is such a huge season for us. So thank you. And then lastly, in terms of helping physically and financially with all of the aftermath of Hurricane Irma, we'll be communicating those details and how our church will get involved in the next uh, week or so. So stay tuned for that. So again, thank you for joining us. And I want to dive right in to Elements Part 5. And I'll just catch you up real quick if you're joining us for the first time. You can go back and listen to the previous messages online or on SoundCloud or on iTunes. But here's what the whole series is about. What would your life look like if you had absolute perfect faith and confidence in God? Like everything in your life is just like hitting the fan and you can't connect the dots, but you just believe that God's still with you and he's going to leverage it for your future. Like what if where God's asking you to do something and it's scary, you're afraid to step out, but you do it anyway into the uncertainty because you just believe you can trust God. Like what if you have that kind of faith where in any circumstances, it's as if your faith is completely unmovable. And here's what we've said, as maybe hard as it is to believe, that's where God wants to take your faith. That's what God wants for you, and that's available to you, not for some select, special few, special religious people, that in every single individual where they place their faith and trust in Christ, and if you ever do come to a place to begin a relationship with Jesus, that God, more than anything else, wants to grow your confidence in Him. Because more than anything else, God wants a relationship. And you know this, but any great relationship is only as great as the level of trust in that relationship. And so God says to you and me through Jesus, I want a relationship with you based on trust. So my number one agenda for your life is to grow your faith. 
So the other question we've looked at is really this, how does that happen? Like, how does God grow that kind of faith in us? And here's what we've said. There's basically five elements, five things God uses. And this isn't a to-do list, but as you are aware, as you position your life, God begins to leverage these things to grow your confidence in him. So week one, we talked about providential relationships. Week two, we talked about personal ministry. Last week, we talked about personal spiritual disciplines. This week, we're going to talk about practical teaching. And then next week, we're going to talk about maybe my favorite message in this series, pivotal circumstances. Like for your faith to grow big, usually it happens around some kind of big event positively or negatively. And so I'd encourage you to be either campus as we talk about this huge idea and element of what God wants to use and leverage in order to move you forward in your faith. But this week, I want to talk about this fourth one, practical teaching. That in everybody's story of faith, where you are inspired by somebody's confidence in God, this is going to be a part of it. Like somewhere along the line, they'll probably say something like, man, I was going along and then this guy invited me to church. Then this girl invited me to a Bible study. Then I got involved in this campus ministry. And for, the, for me, it was the first time the scripture actually became clear. It's the first time where I actually walked away and realized that the Bible was actually relevant and I knew what to do. Like for your faith to ever really grow, this has got to be a priority in your life. You've got to put yourself in environments where at the center of it is practical teaching where you walk away and it's not just deep, it's not just a bunch of theology, it's not just 17 Greek words and 50 minutes later you're like, man, that was so intense, that was so deep. Did you understand it? Not a word of it. But I felt like I had some kind of religious experience. Like that's not going to do anything good for you. You have to be in an environment where you actually know what's being said, you know what to do, and you can walk away and actually do it for your faith to grow. Now, here's the kind of an angst I have, and this is not being critical, it just is a thing, is a lot of churches are satisfied with just kind of covering the information, satisfied with just dispensing knowledge, dispensing theology, kind of getting through the information, when as you look at the New Testament, Jesus was all about teaching toward application, that when people walked away from Jesus' talks Generally, he had a few weird parables that people were confused by, but generally, they knew exactly what to do. They knew exactly what their next step was. And what we want to do here more than anything else is as people walk away, we want to take what is deep and make it clear. We want to take what is theological and we want to make it really easy to understand for the longtime follower of Jesus so they can continue to grow in their faith and for the skeptic who maybe is discovering all of this for the first time because... That is the only thing that is really going to produce growing faith in you is that you move beyond just attending, beyond just believing, beyond just showing up, beyond just accumulating information and somehow thinking that it's impacted your faith. Here's the reality. Growing information or more information, I should say, doesn't mean more faith. It just means more information. It just means you attended something. It just means you showed up to a Bible study. It just means that you endured maybe a 50-minute boring message that you just really didn't understand what was going on. But it does nothing to impact your faith and trust in God. But here's the thing. This is why this is tough. Is that we are confused into thinking information helps us in every area of our life, even if we don't do anything. Like, if you stroll through some gym and, like, meet with a trainer figure out how all the equipment works, set up a schedule, but then don't actually go and work out like you're no better off. 
But isn't there this weird thing where like you do that stuff or you sign up for a gym and you immediately like, I kind of feel healthier. Like you wouldn't say that, but like, I feel like I'm making progress even when I haven't worked out yet. And then your mind does this weird thing, at least for me, where I'll talk about something so much, like I'll talk about working out and exercising so much that my brain literally will trick me over time to start going, okay, we've talked about this so much, surely you're doing this by now. Like surely you've begun the process of actually doing it. And so I think that I've made progress just because I've accumulated information or because I've kind of, you know, gone through the process of walking through a gym, but I haven't actually started yet. And all that to say that we do the same thing when it comes to faith or comes to religion or comes to following Jesus. We think that sitting in a row, We think that believing something, we think intending to do something, we think enduring some kind of message that we didn't understand is actually impacting our faith when in reality, it's not doing anything for us. Here's how I put it in my notes real quick, is that we confuse believing something with actually doing something. But Jesus makes it really clear, belief alone is not enough. Belief alone actually can just make you arrogant. It doesn't make you in any better place in terms of your faith. Second thing I said was this. We confuse feeling something with actually doing something. That because we walk away from some kind of environment or service and we feel conviction or we feel emotion, we feel like we've had this religious experience that's made us better when in reality, if we don't do anything with it, it hasn't. And then thirdly, I wrote this down. We confuse intending to do something with actually doing something. So all that to say is this, that growing faith, The faith that we're talking about in this series, it is activated and it's demonstrated by what you do, not what you believe. And this is not talking about salvation. When you place your faith and your trust in Jesus as your Savior, that is by grace, it's undeserved, and it's through faith. This is just talking about what level of relationship do you want to experience? Because relationships are only as good as the trust that are in that relationship. Like with my wife, Nicole... Like, I love her, I can intend to do stuff, but our trust is only as good as my willingness to do things to build that trust. Our relationship is only as good as my willingness to actually step out and do stuff to better the relationship. And so all that to say is, this idea of practical teaching, you can't overstate this. That the religious game that a lot of us maybe grew up with or what you've experienced, it's not enough. Intending to do something doesn't do anything for you. Believing something by itself does not do anything for you. Feeling conviction and religious feelings doesn't do anything for you. Sitting in a row, watching online, enduring a message, or going to a student ministry where they actually opened the Bible, but you walked away and didn't understand a word of it, none of that is getting you any credit. Growing faith only happens when you know what to do and you can actually do it. It's why for all of us, we have to prioritize being in environments where that's actually happening. It's why our church is so committed to that. More than anything else, we want people to walk away and go, it was clear and I knew what to do because that's the only way their faith is going to grow. This is exactly what James, the brother of Jesus, said when he wrote this book where he breaks all of this down to say, okay, here's why practical teaching is so important. Get yourself somewhere where it's clear and then be willing to actually do some stuff. And here's what he says to a hyper-religious culture They kind of did what we do. They're just settling for all the things that I just talked about. Here's what James says, starting in James chapter 1, verse 22. If you got a Bible or it'll be on the screen right here. Here's what James says. Don't merely listen. Don't just attend stuff. Don't just feel stuff. Don't merely listen to the word or God's word or the scriptures or the Bible or whatever. 
and so deceive yourselves. Like, here's the reality, that listening and hearing initiates faith. Romans says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it is doing something that actually activates faith. And in fact, if you listen long enough, if you just show up and sit in rows long enough, but on that, don't actually do something or don't know what to do, eventually you will deceive yourself in thinking that you're better off than you are. And here's the reality, and you probably know this already. You and I have a limitless capacity to deceive ourselves. Like, it's why you look back at decisions and go, why did I do that? Why did I go there? Why did we sign on to that? Why did I date her? Like, what was I thinking? But you thought it was a good decision at the time, only to find out it was a train wreck. Because you and I have a limitless ability to deceive ourselves. And so James says, the primary way we do that in terms of following Jesus, we just listen to a lot of stuff. We play the religious game. We're, we're attending stuff where we don't understand what's actually happening, and we walk away, and we actually deceive ourselves to think that our faith is further along than it actually is. And so then he just says this. It's not rocket science. Do something. Do what it says, implying. Make sure that you position yourself to be somewhere where somebody is breaking down the scriptures where you know what to do, and then you can actually do it. Because that is the only way that your faith is ever going to grow. Growing faith is activated and it's demonstrated not by what you believe, not by what you intend to do, not by what you feel. It only grows to the extent that you are willing to actually step out and do something. It's why everybody's faith story, I'm telling you, includes at some point along the, the line, I got it. I understood it. The scripture became relevant. It was more than some religious game or sitting through a message I didn't understand. It became so practical in my life, and I was actually willing to step out and do some stuff. And man, God started to collide with what I did and grow my faith. And then James keeps on going to say, okay, so let me just help you see all this, and then we'll land the plane. Here's why this game that we play is so crazy, and here's what's at stake if you don't ever move forward to know what to do and then actually do it. Here's what he says, starting in verse 23. Anyone who listens, anyone who tends, anybody who just, again, gets in a community group and tends to do stuff, anyone who listens to the word but does not do it or does not know what to do and does not do what it says is like a man, because what he's about to say, honestly, only dudes are going to do this. Is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror in verse 24 and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And real quick, here's all James is saying. Here's why this is such a big deal and here's how insane this game is that we play. Is that you would never think about looking into a mirror when you're all jacked up and there's like the unfiltered version of you and seeing what's wrong and then walking away from it. Like, really the only people that see the unfiltered version of us is people that we're married to. Like, isn't this true? I've said this before, but before I was married, like, I, was, I knew I was lucky with my wife. Incredible, incredible woman. Like, way out of my league. Pun, out punning my coverage big time. But honestly, in the back of my mind, I also thought, well... Like, she's pretty lucky, too. Like, I'm, when I was single, I thought, I, I'm pretty awesome. Like, this is, this is a pretty good catch for her if I just were to be straight. And then, is this anybody's story? You get into marriage and you realize how not awesome you really are. Because that's the unfiltered version of you in every way. Your behavior, your motives, your habits, and then also just in terms of looks. Like, maybe for you, there was that, like, first unfiltered moment where you roll over and you're like, ah, like it was different than you had ever experienced before because that's, that's you. 
And what James is saying is we go to great lengths for everybody else outside of like marriage relationship to create the, uh, the filtered version of us where we're looking in the mirror and we're spending enough time till we get everything on point. And what he's saying is this is how crazy is it that we would spend that much time doing that and we would ignore the things that literally have the power to change the trajectory of our life, change your relationship, change your finances. More importantly, change what you're experiencing in relationship with Jesus. It, change what you're experiencing in terms of fulfillment and peace and life to the full that Jesus is actually offering you. How crazy that we would not do everything we can to get outside of this religious game and place ourselves in places every single week where we actually know what to do and then can actually do it. And then James kind of ends it all this way in verse 25 and says, okay, here's what's at stake for you. But the man who looks intently, like stoops down and is like super focused into the perfect law. This is just Jesus' teachings, not salvation, but all those things where Jesus is like, hey, do this, follow me in this, and your life honestly is going to be better. It's not going to be pain-free, problem-free, but I want more for your life. The man who looks intently into the perfect law, and this is so huge, that gives freedom and continues to do this. Because as you continue to do, that's how faith grows. Not forgetting what he has heard, but actually doing it. And again, this is so powerful. He will be blessed in what he does. So like basically James is saying, come on guys, man, we get so focused on what's not going to last. Like, it's so crazy. I, I looked this up even in the United States. Like, two years ago, we spent $12 billion in cosmetics. And I'm not, oh, that's fine, but $12 billion. And then we spent $38.6 billion on, like, some form of plastic surgery to, like, Botox, to tuck, to tighten that mug, like, to get you to look better than you are. And James is basically saying, are you serious? Like, okay, that's fine that you do that, I guess. But that's not even going to last like, it's not going to stay up there forever. It's not going to last forever. And you ignore what is going to have an impact forever and is going to change the trajectory of your life right now. Because when you begin to know what to do and then actually do it, your faith begins to grow. And this isn't for acceptance. This is from acceptance. This is simply about what level of relationship do you want to experience with your heavenly father? Because he's not going to love you more. This is not more of his grace. This is about deepening relationship based on trust. This is about him saying to you, listen, I went to the cross for you. I died for your sins. I walked out of a grave alive. And come on, if I'm willing to die for you, which communicates I'm for you, what do you think I have waiting for you on the other side of the cross through my promises? I want you to trust me. And when you take a step of faith, here's what he's saying. That is a step towards freedom. When you decide to actually do what Jesus is inviting you to do, it is a step toward freedom. And it's only going to happen when you get in places where people can actually unpack it for you, make it clear for you. You walk away and know what to do and actually do it. And when you do, you're going to experience freedom because that's what God wants for you. But here's the dilemma is... If you're never in an environment where you know what to do and then can do it, you're never going to come to these conclusions on your own because they're not intuitive. Like we think our pursuit of freedom is going to give us freedom and it gives us anything but. Like for most of us, what we thought was going to bring us freedom when we kind of lived our lives outside of Jesus 
only led us into slavery. I mean, our idea of how to handle sex outside of God only leads us to, in many cases, be weighted down and enslaved to guilt and destroying intimacy and relationship, but it didn't lead to, it didn't lead to freedom. Like our idea of freedom in terms of finances, because we look at what God says about give, save, and live on the rest, like giving first seems anything but freeing, it seems confining. But come on, how many of us have experienced the dynamic of racking up credit card debt and all of a sudden we experience that principle of the borrower is a slave to the lender. There's nothing freeing about that. Or our idea of autonomy When Jesus is going, no, no, when you place yourself under authority, that's like you're placing yourself under me because authority was ordained by God, and there is freedom in that. Or maybe those areas where God's going, hey, I want you to step out, and I want you to forgive them, and forgiveness to somebody who doesn't deserve it does not feel like freedom. But come on, how many of us have been enslaved to anger in our lives that we carried for seasons? And so here's what James is saying is, come on, every step of faith is a step toward freedom. Every step of trust is a step toward freedom. But you're never going to intuitively come to that conclusion until you get in places where they are breaking down, they are chopping up, they are making clear what is being said and what you need to do. And then as you are willing to take a step to actually do it, what you're going to discover on the other side is that Jesus was actually right. That when you follow him in every area of your relationship, your finances, your priorities, how you raise your kids, what you pursue, whether you say yes to that ministry, how you live your life, what you focus on, what you do in terms of entertainment, that every step that maybe is difficult on the front end, but you're just, Jesus, I'm going to trust you, ultimately leads you to freedom. But you're not going to come to that conclusion on your own. See, this is why I'm so grateful that I grew up in environments and with a dad who's a pastor where he didn't just teach toward theology. He didn't teach just toward doctrine. It wasn't just about accumulating information. It wasn't just about feeling religious feelings. It was about making this practical to where I knew what to do so that I could do it. In a lot of cases, I didn't. But eventually when I did, man, I experienced God do something at the level of my faith that I am so grateful for. And so here's the bottom line. You have got to find a way, whether it's here or maybe it's somewhere else. If you're not getting it here, then go somewhere else. But you've got to find a way to position yourself to be in environments where you are under practical teaching, where you're not satisfied with sitting in a row going, oh, that was so deep. I didn't understand any of it and walking away because that's not going to do anything for your faith. Sitting in a row is not doing anything for your faith. Getting more knowledge is not doing anything for your faith. So you've got to find a way to position you, to position your student, to get your kid in an environment that's age appropriate where they walk away at their level and they know what Jesus is inviting them to do because that's the thing that's going to grow your faith. Here's what I would say. This is what our churches are committed to. Like more than anything else behind the scenes, and you don't even know to what level we go in this, but... We're not just looking for kids to have a great experience and have fun, though we want that. It's not just about people showing up and enjoying gathering together as the church. It's not just about middle school and high school students having the greatest time that they've ever had, which they do. The thing that we're focused on more than anything else is when people walk away as they're gathering together to worship, to learn, to investigate, when they walk away, was it helpful? Did they know what to do? Did we make this 
absolutely clear. Like, did we basically figuratively go, okay, here's a mirror in terms of where you are and where Jesus wants to take you. Here is, here's the tension that we want to surface because the tension is an invitation for God to grow your faith. In all of those areas, we're like, man, it's uncomfortable. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I believe that. You're arguing with me in your mind. Those are the areas where God wants to grow your faith. Those are the areas where God wants you to trust him. So all that to say, you need to find a way to make that a priority. Get in places where it's practical, you understand what to do, your student understands what to do, and they can walk away and they can actually do it. And can I just say this, because this is just true, is that sometimes that's going to be uncomfortable. Like sometimes that's going to kind of move at a level inside of you that you want to ignore. Like it's easier to sit in some environment where they use bunches of words that you don't understand and theology that's not broken down at street level and you walk away and you feel like a religious experience has happened and you have no idea what to do. But I just want to tell you that's not doing anything for you. And so find a way to make this a priority where sometimes you feel uncomfortable. Sometimes it goes up against what intuitively we want to do. Sometimes it exposes some things inside of you and that's a good thing. When you feel the tension between the faith you have and the faith that God wants to grow in your life, the faith you have and the faith you want, when you feel that gap and that tension, when the mirror comes up, I'm telling you, that's an invitation where God wants to work in your life. And so every once in a while, I don't mind making people a little uncomfortable as long as it's done in a way that's motivated by grace. God's not going to love you anymore, but man, God wants a deeper growing relationship with you. So you should feel uncomfortable sometimes. You should feel uneasy sometimes. There's some things where you should be confronted to go, man, God wants more for my life. I mean, Jesus took this so far that one time he gave such an unpopular message that they took him out to throw him over a cliff and stone him to death. Like that's how far he went with this whole deal. So all I'm saying is you need environments like that and you need to not run from environments like that because that's where God wants to grow you. Come come on, I got to go real quick and end this. But where you feel uneasy, where there's things that just stretch you as we've talked about, it takes you out of your comfort zone, it's kind of, it's beyond what fits into your comfortable lifestyle, that's where God wants to work because that's where you need God. See, if you just stick for doing the little steps of faith that are comfortable for you and fit your lifestyle, you don't need God to accomplish any of those things. You can do that on your own. But where you experience God's supernatural power is in the areas of your life where you actually need it. If you never take a step of faith that's beyond you, that's beyond what you're comfortable with, that's beyond your lifestyle, you'll never experience God's supernatural power because God gives you supernatural power where you need it. And when you take steps of faith to follow Jesus in areas that are a little bit uncomfortable, those are the areas that he meets you with his power and where he leads you in a way that you can do and move in things that you'd never be able to do on your own. So here's the bottom line, that growing faith Growing faith, growing faith happens by action and not intention. Action, not intention is the only thing that produces growing faith and growing trust and growing confidence in God. And so here's what we've said all of these five weeks so far is what's the next step for you? And for a lot of us, the next step is just making sure you make it the priority of your life to position yourself in environments where this is at the center. 
making a concerted effort where you don't just show up at a gathering in a church every eight weeks. Because I'm telling you, that's one of the major ways that God is going to work to communicate his word and what you need to do. You need to make sure you make it a priority for your student to be in an environment like that. You need to make it a priority for your child to be in an environment like that. And then you need to get there so you know what to do and then you can actually do it. And so for a lot of you, that's your next step. For others of you, you already know what the next step is. There's something you need to confess. There's a step of faith you need to take to forgive. For some of you, it's a step of faith to engage in some of the things that we've already talked about in this series. For some of you, it's a step of faith to reprioritize some things. But what's your next step? Because your action, not your intention, is going to be the thing that grows your faith. And here's where I just want to encourage you. It's a journey. So don't look to the right and to the left. Don't look at anybody else's steps of faith. Don't look at where you are and maybe how far you think you have to go. Just take the next step because this is about not perfection. This is about direction. This isn't about attaining some level of perfection if we get that next slide. This is about the direction of your life. This is where ultimately God wants to take you. So just take the next step. And over time, as you take that step, it is a declaration of faith and trust and confidence in God. And that willful trust ultimately moves his heart. So where are you settling for just intending to do some stuff? Like that's a great question for me because I just... I buy into that all the time. Where are you settling for just attending some things? And attending is great if you're in an area where somebody's making it clear. But where do you need to do some things? Where are you settling for just religious feelings? Where are you settling for, well, your theology's on point. You believe the right stuff, but you're not doing a lot of it. Where are you settling in those areas? And where is God asking you to actually take a step? And then can I, I say one more thing to some of you because this is where you're at? Maybe the next step for you is just to be honest. Like there's some things right now you know God's asking you to do. He's asking you to step out and do something you don't want to do in that relationship. He's asking you to get involved in that ministry. He's asking you to take a step into something that's kind of uncertain and you like to play it safe. He's asking you to trust in some, you know, area where it's just, it's beyond what you feel you're capable of. He's asking you to handle your finances in a different way, whatever it is. And maybe you've created all of these excuses and these things that you're hiding behind. And the reality is you just need to get honest because honesty brings clarity. And maybe the real reason in those areas that you won't take a step is you're, you're just, you don't trust. And you have every reason in the world, every excuse in the world. But the moment you get honest, God can begin to work to go, God, really, the reason I won't take this step, the reason that I won't do this, as hard as it is to say, is I don't trust you. I'm not sure if that if I do this, I'm not going to miss out. I'm not sure that if I do this, this is really what's going to be best for me. I don't know if this sacrifice is going to be worth it. And I'm telling you, that kind of truth has the ability to set you free. And so maybe your step is nothing more than God. I just need to get honest with you. I don't trust you, but I want to trust you. So I, I kind of believe, but help my unbelief. And at that level of honesty, God can begin 
to work. So as we close this out, where do you need to take a step? And would every single one of us commit as part of CC to make this the culture of our church? We want every single individual to walk away, and we want Jesus to be the lead story. We want to make sure it's deep. We want to make sure theologically we're on point. We want to make sure that we unpack what Jesus leads us toward in terms of belief. But more than any of that, we want to take all of that and make it clear. We want to make it understandable. We want the longtime follower of Jesus to walk into our churches and be able to grow and flourish in their faith. And I love that we hear those stories every weekend. And we want the skeptic and the cynic and the investigator who doesn't even know what they believe to come in and be able to walk away and go, I know at least what it's saying, even if I don't do what it says. And I'm telling you, that's possible. And you don't have to compromise anything. And Jesus can still be at the forefront. And the scriptures can still be, still be taught. But every type of person imaginable in our kids' environment, student environments, adult environments need to walk away. And they need to know what to do so they can actually do it because it's the only way that their faith is going to grow. And so, man, where do you need to commit to get yourself and position yourself in an environment, your student in an environment, your kid in an environment where practical teaching is happening? And they know what to do. They know that the scripture is relevant. It's so clear. And then they can actually do it. Because here's what we've said throughout this whole series, is that eventually your little step of faith, wherever it is, is going to collide with God's faithfulness. And you're never going to be the same again. And it's in those moments, after a period of time, after a period of hearing, after a period of actually doing, a period of actually taking steps, that you're going to come to the conclusion that God can be trusted. And God's with you. And here's God's whole agenda, and here's what we said last week, and this is so huge to know. Here's God's whole agenda in inviting you to take whatever step he's asking you to take. His whole agenda is to win your trust to win your confidence. Not that he has to, he's the God of the universe, but he so desires a relationship with you. So with that financial decision, with those priorities, with making, getting your, your kid or yourself in environments in the church where you're consistent and you're hearing so that you can do, in that decision to move ahead in that ministry, that decision to just reorder some things in your life, whatever it is, that invitation by Jesus is an invitation for you to actually step out in trust. And as you do, God will win your confidence. God will win your faith. And your faith, your confidence, your trust will begin to grow in him. So what do you need to do? Will you take the next step? Position yourself in an environment where practical teaching is actually happening. And then just be willing to do some stuff. And as you do, I'm telling you, God will begin to win your faith and your trust in him. Would you right now, wherever you are, just pray with me. God, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you so much right now that we can gather together wherever we are in homes, all over this community and beyond. I pray that right now you would give us wisdom to know what to do and encourage to do it. And Lord, we pray right now that you would just be with, and we know you are, all those that are being affected by this storm, that you would help those who our followers of Jesus, the church, to come through, to be salt and light and to be your hands and feet during this time, during the aftermath, and all of those in our communities and state to just come alongside to help those who need help right now. And so we just ask that you would protect, that you would watch over, that you would minimize the loss of life and damage right now through this storm and just work in an incredible way through those who are followers of you. And we pray all of this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us, and we'll see all of you who are part of our gathering or those of you who will check out our gathering at our normal service times next weekend. We're praying for you. Stay safe. We love you.